So here we are, we're the fourth week of our Advent calendar, and we're talking about love, right? Love, love is the fourth Advent theme. It embodies all of the others. Um, It embodies hope because love never fails. Uh, Peace because love is the only power that can make an enemy into a friend. And joy because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Um, Love is an action word. But it isn't about the works themselves that, that, that love inspires us into action, but it's not about those works. Really, love is about the motivation behind those works, the things that we're called to do. And, and, and so love is this funny thing. It, uh, it, it, it makes us do some really crazy things. Anybody here ever do any crazy things because of love? <laughs> Got married? What else? Anybody want to share a little, anything? What was it? Went to jail. Okay. All right. Well, hey, there we go. What else? Anybody else? Came here for your grandson. See, love motivates us to do all kinds of things, right? People, we'll drive hours to spend minutes with someone, right? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll give ourselves on behalf of somebody else. Love is this, this amazing thing, and love has within itself just this capacity to cause us to do things that don't always necessarily make perfect sense to us. It, it moves us in directions, and it causes us to, to just give of ourselves. Um, love is actually the highest ethic that God has. And I think that everything in our theology and everything that we've talked about this morning and like what Dan was saying, it all builds around love. Love embodies really the the whole, the the, the basic core of who God is and who he's calling his people to be. You know, to confess, I struggle with this, right? I I don't know about you, but but I know that that, that my own struggles with really loving people the way that God uh, calls me to love people that I, I don't always, I don't live into that. I don't live up to that. I, I, I find myself to be short in patience. Um, I find myself to be self-centered, um, just interested in myself and my time, um, my things. Um, I get caught up in things, and I really struggle to do this whole love thing a lot of times in the way that God calls us to do it. It's, a, it's such a high calling. And, and I think that in, in reality, that we view this very differently from how God does. We, we tend to talk about the things that we love and we, we, we love what we do or we love who we're with. And so many times those things are really conditional in our approach to love. They, we, we have a phileo type of a love that, the, a Bible, we have great affections for things. Um, we, we, we love our hobbies, we, we, we love our spouses, we love who we're with. A lot of times though, especially if we're totally from a world's perspective, we love from a selfish aspect that, that really even the good works and the good things that we tend to do are really just an extension of our own selfishness. They're, they're an extension of that and, and, and a way to make ourselves look better or to find approval with others and even maybe even appease a God that we may not know. Love motivates us in all of these different ways, but God's love is different from ours, right? It's never a conditional love. God isn't, God isn't with us because, because we're hot or because or we have money or, or because we, we make him laugh or we do these. God just is. He's, he, he just, he's in love with us because it's the very core of the nature 
of his being. His love is without condition. You know, sometimes when we look back in our lives and we recognize all of the places that we've fallen short, we would have to, to really think about, I think our, our perspective and our economy is, is that, man, I'm loved more when I'm, when I'm doing well and I'm loved less when I'm struggling. Um, the reality of God's love towards you and me is this, is that if you look back and you look back in your life and you look back into that place where you're the most ashamed of you, where you're kind of the most upset and disgusted with, with maybe who you are, God didn't love you less then. And then the real kicker to this thing too is that when you look at yourself and you're like, oh wow, look at me there. I was really, man, I, I really did some great stuff. I was really on it for God right there. God didn't love you more at that point. God's love for you has never, ever changed. It's never wavered. There's never been any difference in the way that God has approached you or me. God invites us into a lifestyle of love. He, he doesn't just invite us to just love in, in an expression of how we see love or how we would define love, but as, as Ben, I think, was talking, he invites us into a life of love. He invites us into a completely different manner of existence, and I wanna look through some of those things right here. 1 Corinthians 13, of course we can't deal with love without going to 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter. It's the chapter that's read at every single wedding that ever is pretty much, right? And it says this, it says that love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, it does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. If we look at that and we really start to break it down, we start to see how this explanation of love is an explanation that begins to move us away from ourselves, and it begins to show us how to approach other people and even other struggles. You know, it bears things, it hopes in things, it endures things, right? We're told some different explanations and some, some characteristics of love. And one thing says that love covers, it covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't just expose sin, it covers sin. It, it's careful. It helps us to be careful with one another and our approaches. But it begins to pull us outside of ourselves and our selfish perspective, and it starts to help us to be other-centered. John 15, 13 is, is one of those places in where we get a little bit of a definition of love. And Jesus here tells us this. He says, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Now, in, in the Greek here, we've got a couple of different words that are always just translated as life. And, and the one here is, is one, it's suki. It's where we get the word psyche from. And, and it has to do with your soul, and, and if we think about the, the, the Bible and its approach to this idea of life and soul, we would be talking about kind of like the seed of who you are. It would be your emotions. It would be your personality. It's that thing that makes you uniquely you. It's that thing that doesn't grow up inside of you. You know what I mean? It's that thing that's still you even though you're changing on the outside and things are happening in a different place. It's, it's, it's the thing that, that just defines you as being you. It's this idea of laying that down. 
that idea of myself, my own sense of self-expression, my own sense of how things ought to go. The Bible and Jesus is telling us here that there is no greater love that anyone can give than to lay down your sense of self. He's not asking us, and it's never been asked of us, to lay down our life, as in our physical. See, that's Jesus's job, right? He's the Savior. He's the one who came. Now, that may happen, and don't get me wrong, there's martyrdom, and there's all kinds of things like that that do happen, and God uses those things. But really, what he's talking about here isn't laying down our physical lives and dying physically for somebody. It's about dying to the sense of self. It's about dying to the idea of what I believe is important in life. It's about dying to the idea that I'm trying to make it all about me and everything about my life is about preserving Try and his well-being. It's, it's the idea that we begin to lay that down, that we put that aside and we begin to live for a bigger picture. We begin to live outside of ourselves for others and for God's purposes. See, in 1 John, he reminds us of this in 3.16 and 17. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? He says it's, 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 it's too much of a contrast. It, it, the love of God isn't abiding in that person because it's in contradiction to the very nature of who God is. And this, the word here, again, is this idea of the person who lays down their soul, who lays down their sense of self for one another. You see, it's an interesting thing. Let's look at this, and it says, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and doesn't give all those goods to him, no, it actually doesn't say that, does it? I think that's how we read it sometimes, though. But it says this. It says, and closes his heart against his brother. It says nothing about what is given. But you see, it's that place where when we begin to live inside of this thing of just self-preservation, that I'm going to take care of me and I'm going to make sure. See, it causes me to begin to shut my heart down to people around me. It causes me to begin to see people problematically versus as created in the very image of God, as image bearers of God and worthy and, and, and with great value and infinite worth because God loves them and he laid down his life for them. And, and, and so really, if we're gonna give goods or we're gonna give things to others, it needs to start from a right place. It needs to start from a right motivation, because the reality of you and me is, like I said, um, so many times our giving is just an extension of selfishness. We, we really are just trying to look good in front of one another or look good in front of the world. But when our love becomes God's love, when we begin to live into the agape love, which is the Greek word for the kind of love that we're talking about and we're gonna talk about this whole time, it's this unconditional love. It's a perfect love. It's a love that loves because it's an expression of who it is. It's a, it's a love that is so concerned with the well-being of the other that everything about that, that love is poured out for their benefit to see them do well and to prosper. And so we are called to lay down our lives. Listen to this and listen to Jesus as our example and how he lived his life. He said, I am the good shepherd and I know, my, I know my own and my own know me even as the Father knows me and I show the Father and I lay down my life. Again, 
for the sheep. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Again, he's talking about that idea of himself. John 12, 25, that's, that's a good one. You see, there, there's this interesting thing as we, as we look at Jesus and his approach to self, we see something in the garden that happens. We see a big struggle within his heart, within his, his soul. And, and, and it even says there in that place, it translates this same word into soul. And he says, I'm troubled to his disciples. He says, I'm troubled uh, to the point of death. Even uh, I'm troubled in my soul, even to the point of death, he says, right? And there's this struggle and the struggle is, and he's talking to the father and he's saying this, he's like, if there be any other way, might this cup be lifted from me? right? It, it, there's, this, there's, this, there's this struggle of preservation of self or laying down one's life for everyone else, right? And so we see this struggle in his humanity, and we understand and recognize the reality of this struggle within the Christian life too, right? Is, is do I hang on to this? Do I hang on to myself and my expression of self and my own self being? This is why we're told to love our neighbor as ourself, Right? is because we take good care of us. And, and, and so, so this, this, there's this, this tugging, there's this wrestling, there's this pulling in the garden, and Jesus says, not my will, but your will be done. And, and he lays down his sense of self for the greater good of more, right? And, and it's even the problem when we look at the, the parable of the talents, right? There's, there's, it's an interesting thing. One is given five, one is given two, and one is given one. The five creates five more. The two creates two more. The one takes the one that he, gave, he received, and what did he do with it? He buried it, right? Again, it's that idea of self-preservation. I'll take absolutely no risk. I'll just bury this thing over here, and I'll make sure that I'm okay, because when the master comes back, I'm just going to hand him his, his talent back, and then we're even. It's good. But that's not how the master saw that, Right? He was an offense to the master that he had lived out what had been given to him with a sense of just self-preservation and not a, a willingness to invest into his kingdom with what his resources were into a bigger place. See, John 12, 25 says this, he who loves his life, and that's that idea of soul again, and he who hates, he, he loses it, who loves it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Now you see that word where it goes to life eternal, we just changed words in the Greek and we've went from suki into zoe. And it's talking about zoe life now. And it's talking about this is the abundant life, this is the eternal life that God has for us to really live into. This is the place where love becomes pure. Whenever we lay down our life and begin to live into this life that God calls it, he says, remember, if you hold on to that, you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose it because you're gonna hang on to something that's temporal. You're gonna hang on in a realm in which there's not gonna be meaning and purpose and life in that. Your life is gonna be lived for yourself and you're not gonna live for bigger perspectives than you and, and, and the things that you want to do. You see, it's that person that loses its life, but whoever in comparison to that hates their life and lays it down, then they enter into this different economy. And this is the invitation that God has into our lives is to enter into a completely different life. 
a completely different lifestyle. This idea of Zoe life, this idea of abundant life. As a matter of fact, in John 10, 10, it says this, it says that the thief has come to kill and to steal and to destroy, right? That's what the enemy does. He comes to kill, kill, steal, and to destroy. And it takes on many different forms of how he works that out in our lives and in the lives around us. There's, there's, there's not just this little formula, but at the end of the day, the things that he brings, they kill, they steal, and they destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life abundantly. This is that Zoe life again. It's a, it's a different word. It's that idea that they might have an abundant life, that they might invest into an economy and into a kingdom that is gonna be forevermore, that's gonna have eternal uh, perspective and it's gonna have eternal worth right there. 1 John 4, 7 through 14. Before we read that, I wanna just talk about God's love a little bit more, right? Because love makes us do things that might seem unreasonable. Things that might seem crazy, although to us, maybe they make perfect sense. And I'm not gonna ever say that God does anything crazy, but what God did for us, the love that God had for us and what God did on our behalf is an amazing thing. That God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have life eternal. You see, this God is a God who has laid everything down. He withheld nothing from us. He's given everything on our behalf that we might have the opportunity as a sinful, rebellious, unloving, unforgiving, bitter people to enter into and to be made right in our relationship first and foremost with him through the love that he gave, through the love that was extended by Jesus on the cross, right? He's paid for sin so that we as unrighteous people can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that we can now have a relationship as sinful people with a holy and perfect God. And you see, we're so self-enamored, I think, a lot of times that we always still want to make it about us. We still believe that somehow it's something about how good I've been or how bad I've been, that that's what determines God's love for me, that if I'm good, okay, I'm pretty much a good person, well, well, well God's going to accept me. Or the other side of that is I've been too bad. I'm like that far outside of God's grace. I did just a little bit too much, and there's no way he would ever forgive me. But you see, I wanna tell you that it's not about you. It's about him. It's about a God who loved you so much that he pursued you with everything that he had. It's about a God who, who chased you down, who went a whole long ways so that he could spend not just a few minutes with you, but he could spend eternity with you. It's about a God who loved us so much. And this is what we've got to do. He, he's, he's loved us so much, and we've got to get a hold of this love. We've got to let this love come in and begin to change us and, and, and open us up so that we don't close our hearts off against one another. We've, we've got to understand what has been done for us. We've got to understand that, that you don't need to please God. God is pleased if you're in Christ. 
Now, he's got things for us to do, but it's our great privilege to enter into this Zoe life that he offers, to enter into what he's called us to do, to open ourselves up, to become a giving and a forgiving and a generous and a loving people, to begin to extend God's kingdom and his grace and his love into the world outside of these doors. That is our great privilege. But don't ever think that we're doing the things or that the things that we do are done in order to please God. God is pleased. He's pleased. He, he's not waiting for us to, to get this all right and then he's gonna be pleased. He's pleased. He's pleased if you're in Christ. You're, you're, the, the, the score is settled. It's done. But now you have the opportunity and I have the opportunity to lay down our lives to put ourselves aside, to consider others as more important than ourselves, right? And to begin to live into this purpose that God has called us to, to begin to live into this Zoe life that he's called this abundant, abundant life in which we become vessels of God's love into the world outside of us. You know, there's no more purposeful thing that we could ever do than to just become agents of God's love. I, whatever we find ourselves doing, there's nothing that could ever be more purposeful than that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. We're gonna do a, a bit of special music. Abby Board is gonna come and she's, she's gonna sing a song for us. So I'm gonna invite Abby up. And, and while we're getting ready, I just, I just wanna kind of have us to really 
meet God in our hearts and our minds in the middle of this song. And, and this is gonna be a really familiar but powerful song of the season, but what if we really allowed God's love to sink into a deep place within us? What if we allowed it to push out any lies that were holding us back, any, anything that we've been believing that would cut us short and, and leave us short of God's love and even receiving it or giving it? What if we let God's love expel all of the unfounded fears that we have, all of the things that, that keep us um, afraid to move out into what God has for us? What if we allowed God's love to define us, to tell us who we are? What if we allowed it to be the motivator for the love that he has for this world around us? What if we let God's love begin to, to really permeate every, every cell of our being? What if we had it affect our families and the community around us? What if we allowed that love to go out from here and into the world around us? What would God do with a people and a church that was committed to laying themselves down for someone else, to, to be so concerned and a heart so open to the world around us that we would just be a people refusing to close our hearts to any need for love that was out the doors right there that we would, we would be looking for, we would be seeking opportunities to love the world better around us. So as we kind of listen to this and Abby sings this song to us, I, I, I hope maybe you'll just close your eyes. And, and, and if, if you're a believer here this morning and you've trusted Jesus, then I, it'd be my prayer that you just do an inventory with yourself and ask God, is there anything that, that's keeping me from really loving people? Am I, am I closing my heart off against others in, 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 in any aspect of that? And, and is there any fear, is there anything in me that's limiting what you wanna do in and through me? Am I really living my life for you? Am I, am I laying my life down or am I just building my kingdom and am I burying my talent? Am I willing to invest into this kingdom and into the world around me? And if, you're, if you haven't ever trusted Jesus before, then this is the great news and the great opportunity that it really has nothing to do with what you've done. It has nothing to do with how good you've been or how good everybody else around you's been. If you knew the stories about the reality of me and all of us in here, you'd run away screaming. If you knew who we'd been and, and what we've all done, but we serve a God who's bigger than that. We serve a God who's come and he's recognized and know, knew that, that there was none of us here that were able to meet our own needs. There were none of us that were able to provide for our own salvation. And so you never had to ask him to do it. You, you never had to, to say, I, I need you. He came and he did it because he loved you because love makes us do wild things. So the very God of the universe, the, the creator of all things left heaven. He left all of his position and his prominence and, and, and he came and he entered into this world as a baby. And he came to be the savior of the world, to, to live a life, to, to lay his life down, to lay his very soul and his sense of self down for all of us that we might have access to a holy and perfect God. And if you just say yes, if you just believe that, 
If you'd simply say, I'm done living my life for my will and not my will, but your will be done. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord in a, in a recognition of their need, the reality of the sin in their life, it says that God is gonna meet you right there, that he'll meet you right here in this place, even during this song, and, and he'll meet you and, and, and he will forgive you and he'll restore you and he'll create in you something that hasn't been there before. He'll make you a new creation. And his motive to do that is love. So anybody who responds to that love, he's already there. He came a long ways to make sure that that was possible. So if you just ask him in and ask him to forgive you and ask him to restore you, the promise is that he'll do that. So I just invite you to close your eyes and just meditate and listen to this song. Go before the Lord and just review where you're at. Listen to him and then be ready to respond to whatever God tells you. The stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining, till he Joy in grateful chorus, raise a wing, let 
Father, we just thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you pursued us, that your love compelled you to, to come and to, to meet with us, to, to find us in our lost state and to, to offer us forgiveness and restoration, to, to give us your love and to allow us the opportunity to, to extend that love to others, to, to be agents of who you are and your grace and your mercy and so, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to just to see ourselves, look inside, and, and if there's anything, Lord, that inhibits us from you, we pray, Lord, you make that known, and that, God, that you would do just an amazing work in and through us, Lord, that you would truly make us uh, your agents. Help us, Lord, to be uh, just a church that so impacts uh, this community that the Lord, people talk about it and they say, wow, there's, there's something there. And it's not us, but it's, but it's you. And so, Lord, we know that, that, that you're capable of so much more than what we, uh, we allow you to do in our lives and in our church. And so we just want to open ourselves to all of that. We thank you, Jesus, that you came as a baby, that in this unassuming way and in this unassuming place and with all humility, you came and offered yourself so that we might have life. And we praise you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.